This week's podcast brought to you by Band-Aid Colored Sedans. Last week I was in stores on the UConn campus uh, doing something for ESPN interviews. Uh, one of the interviews we did was Coach Oriama and I were walking through campus covering a lot of ground, uh, liter- literally and conversationally. And the other thing was um, that they've done at different campuses uh, is ask the players questions and standing right next to the player, seated right next to the player is that school's mascot. So at LSU, it might be the tiger or um, at Notre Dame, it might be the leprechaun. And, and the mascot is kind of responding to whatever the athlete says. Well, when we were at UConn, they couldn't get the UConn mascot for whatever reason. I don't know if the, the mascot was in class or where exactly he or she was. So instead of having the mascot responding to the athlete's answers to the questions, they had Jonathan, the actual husky dog there, sitting next to the athlete as we asked the athlete questions. It was Crystal Dangerfield, Megan Walker, and Kristen Williams. And anyway, as you can imagine, (laughs) the reactions weren't quite the same as the ones they got at some of the other schools. When you can't get the guy in the costume, you have to settle for the real thing. You have to settle for the real thing. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's a dreary Tuesday as we <laughs> record this. Yes, it you know, is, little, is a little, it's warm-ish, but it is it is dreary. Rainy. Do you know how I know it's dreary? How do you know it's dreary? Because this morning I asked Alexa, what is the weather in our town? Yeah. And she said the uh, temperature and what the expected high and low was. And she said, you can expect dreary weather all day. That's not really what you want to hear from Alexa first thing in the morning. I'm not sure that I want to hear her opinion on anything, honestly. Right. How does she know it's dreary Right. Maybe you like this weather. Maybe right. this weather is perfect. We actually put some grass grass seed um, on our yard. So this weather is good for that. How does, you know, how does she know it's a dreary day for us? The Moody Blues, who I've referenced more than once on this uh, podcast, had a song, not Nights in White Satin this time, but Tuesday afternoon, mm-hmm. chasing the clouds away. So maybe, maybe that's what will happen. But I also wondered what else Alexa is likely to editorialize about in the future. If I say play the Moody Blues, will she say, you're seriously going to listen to that? Right. <laughs> right. Or what else? Well, I don't know. What, what, what do you ask her? Um, I don't ask her anything anymore. I'm, I'm still a little bit um, squeamish about the fact that I'm, I'm certain that she is listening when she's not supposed to be listening, right. and I'm getting emails in my email inbox as a result. I, I actually unplug her a lot more than I used to, um, which today I asked her to play a podcast. You also unplug me more than you yeah. used to. <laughs> yeah. And as in the older you get, I'll be plugging you yes. in more than I used to. But uh, this morning, I asked her to play a podcast, and um, she completely ignored me the first two times I asked, and I think she's mad at me that I've been unplugging her <laughs> I think she knows it's me that's unplugging her. And uh, 
And so now when I ask her to play something, she ignores me the first time. The artificial intelligence really is taking over, and, and the robots are are becoming sentient beings. And, the, and they're acting more and more like spouses, not answering the first time and uh, being a little passive-aggressive. Uh, apparently. Um, I just was thinking while you were talking. While you were talking, I was, I was hanging on every word. Don't get me wrong. But I was also thinking of um, the other Tuesday afternoon song that I can think of, which is Cheryl Crow's uh, We Are Drinking Beer at Noon on Tuesday All right. in a bar facing a giant car wash, which is actually taken from a poem, but that's neither here nor there. By the way, I was going to introduce poetry into the podcast this week, and I, and I came prepared with nothing. Um, that'll have to suffice this week. But uh, And there's a third one now, Ruby Tuesday, of course. Goodbye, Ruby Tuesday, Rolling Stones. Not not the restaurant. But... Um but they didn't take theirs from a poem. So Cheryl Crow took No, that. They, they took theirs from a casual dining. <laughs> Cheryl Crow chain. took hers from a poem. Does does the person who wrote the poem get any um Absolutely. She didn't take it. She 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 with permission. With permission. So kind of, you know, that's what Cheryl Crow did in whenever that year that song came out and now Lizzo who takes things from tweets is uh compensating the person oh, who Oh, she she took she, the line about uh, had DNA a DNA test. test. Yeah. She, she took that from a tweet? She took it from a tweet, and so she said she's going to compensate the person for it. After the fact. Yes. You know, Paul McCartney, the guy who introduced Paul McCartney to John Lennon, his uh, high school classmate Ivan Vaughn was married to a woman who became a French teacher. And when McCartney was looking for uh, a French name and some French uh, phrases for the song that became Michelle, she gave him... The phrase, the French phrase for these are words that go to go together well, and he sent her a check, which I think was the right thing to do. Really, a, mm-hmm. a large check? Uh, probably not. A check for a large amount. I guess the size of the the check was check only for twenty matter. bucks, but it was a tennis tournament novelty right. size check that you you write on with a grease pen. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so what's been going on this week? This dreary week of a lot of rain. We've been playing indoors a lot of board games with the kids. We talked about this in a previous podcast. Uh, and you got a lot of replies from people about board games, but I don't know that we specifically talked about our nightly go-to game, games of Yahtzee. Right. Did we? I don't think so. And uh, I was reflecting, as I want to do in my daily two hours in the car, the the most unloved box on the Yahtzee scorecard. Right. What would you suggest it is? The most unloved, I would imagine, is the large straight. Ab- absolutely the large straight. You nailed it. We the large straight is one of those things that it, either you roll it the first time. You're not going to go for your large straight. It just straight. happens to, to come up or you don't get it. What's it ends the, up as a zero. What's the worst possible roll in Yahtzee? One, two, three, five, six. Right. Opening roll. Then you're not going to go for the large straight. If you did, which ones? Which 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 one would you pick up? Which one would you leave down? No, I, I agree with you. The, lar- the large straight's kind of like the goocher. This should be... This should be uh, like I think the, people are fascinated by it. I, I don't know if they're fascinated or not, but I think this this should be a marital, marriage compatibility test. Uh, I agree. Instead of the, some of the ridiculous questions we had to answer when we were taking our, it's called pre-cana in the Catholic Church, they should ask these real life questions. What they should actually make you do is play a board game together or a card game together and see how you handle strategy, see how you handle losing, see how you handle winning, see how you re- handle your your partner's reaction to those things, that would be helpful in marriage. And they should make you do that every 10 or 15 years, call it mid-cana and possibly post-cana. Right. Um, but, but if there were just one question on this test, I would ask the spouses, which is the, the 
the worst box on the Yahtzee scorecard. And I think we've, it doesn't matter which one you answer, as long as you answer the same. And we could be ones, it could be twos. Did it could you agree be. that the, the, the large straight was the worst one? Absolutely. That's what, that's, that's what I was going to say. Uh, okay, well, good. I'm pleased that you, that you had the same answer. I think most people probably would. Um, and you've played a lot of Mastermind with our youngest. With our nine-year-old. I've and played a lot of Mastermind. She, and she, she always plays. So you have a choice of six colors. And she not only always plays the same four colors, which are red, green, white, and black. She has to have the red and green touching or like next Adjacent. to each other. Yes. And I said to her, I said, is this a Christmas thing? And she said, no. She said, I, just, I just like those two colors. And so, so we had this conversation. And then we played the game 20 minutes later, so I thought it was the perfect opportunity for her to choose a couple different colors, and instead she still chose red, green, white, and black and put them in the same order. And uh, and then when I guess it on like the second or third attempt, she just looks at me and smiles and laughs, but she's not going to change her strategy. But before she, before she did that, you were upstairs. This was last night, and excuse me, she said, Dad, look, look, this is the code I'm putting down for mom I said I said oh are are you tricking her this time and she said not really (laughs) and I thought why are you putting down the same code she just likes it I know I think she she likes that um maybe she likes that the game doesn't take too long or that there's not too much intrigue or uh or anything like that although if anybody's played mastermind when um there have been times when she's always the code maker and I'm the code breaker. And there have been times where she's not put the correct color pegs in to let me know if I have the right color or the right place. And it throws off the whole game and we'll get halfway through the game. I'll say, are you sure all of these are right? And she'll say, oh, no, they're not. <laughs> Fix them. And then uh, and then it's basically starting over. But um, anyway, p- people who have played Mastermind understand what I'm saying. If you have not played Mastermind, purchase a uh would it be a copy what would it be purchase purchase a, the game and find someone to play with it's delightful and and uh our friend dan texted me a commercial from the late 70s early 80s that i had forgotten about somehow but it came flooding back to me immediately speaking of board games do you remember stay alive the survival game by milton bradley i do remember and you would pull alive. little levers and marbles would fall through this grid and the last marble standing yep. uh had the kids saying i'm the sole survivor at the end of the commercial each time yeah milton bradley by the way a springfield mass company founded mm-hmm. in springfield mass oh, was it? as was the game of basketball so was the game of life because isn't it Hasbro that is based in the Hasbro, Springfield area? Ha, no, Hasbro is what was, well, I don't know. But I, I do know that, that Parker Brothers, these two being like the, the, you know, the Avis and Hertz Coke and Pepsi board game behemoths, was, based, was founded and based in um, Beverly, Mass, near Salem. So these, you know, they call it the base state, but really it should have been the board game state. And... Milton Bradley is, is based this day in East Longmeadow. This means nothing to people who aren't in the metropolitan area here, but uh, but it should mean everything to us. Milton Bradley, which you said is based in East Longmeadow, right? Yes. I have been to their headquarters and uh, and once got to go to the employee store, which was terrific. Bought a bunch of board games for like the original price that I remember paying as a kid for like three ninety nine or four ninety nine. But that's one of the ways we stocked up one year on our 
on our board games when our kids was were re- really little was because I got a chance to go to the um, employee store there. Now, let me ask you this. was Is the headquarters in East Longmeadow, is the building shaped like, like a giant pair of ants in the pants pants, like with the suspenders <laughs> and the blue plastic with a little sort of... Um, to the best of my knowledge and memory, it is not. It, it should be. It, in fact, looks like a suburban office park office, but it should be. I mean, the, the, the list of board games from Milton Bradley, from uh, just alphabetically, Ants in the Pants, um, uh, Barrel of Monkeys, Battleship, uh, Bedbugs. I mean, when I was a kid, that would have been like a dream. You know, imagine you get to go to work at Milton Bradley or Parker Brothers and and presumably in a suit and tie with a briefcase and play board games all day. It wouldn't even be a briefcase. It would be a presumably a backgammon game right. in a briefcase, like those things. Right. Well, how about the moment that we had yesterday when technology didn't work? We're at a high school volleyball game, and before every high school volleyball game, I'm assuming every high school sport, um, they play the national anthem, and they uh, they didn't have someone singing it, but they went to play it on um, on the speakers in the gym, and n- nothing was being played. Like both teams were standing out in the court, facing the flag. Everyone in the stands. It was senior night, so there was a lot of people there. Everyone was standing, facing the flag, and no music came on. And Somebody s- was frantically searching for a CD. Or yeah, something. you could see him in not the back. Not a CD, but a the yeah, looking MP3 for player. Yeah. Whatever, and. Um, and then a Victrola, an L, a seventy-eight <laughs> RPM. Yeah, and then the other team, because we were out in the, at their gym, the other team, the varsity volleyball team, started. Just a few of the girls started singing the anthem, and then both teams were singing the anthem, and then everyone in the bleachers was singing the anthem. And when it was done, you said to me, "That's the best anthem all year," and without question, it was the way it should be. It was so much better than just standing there and. Um, listening to a you know a cd or you know download or whatever of music being played it was everybody actively participating in it, it i would like to see every anthem uh, be like that for high school and, sports. and uh there were two two key points in the national anthem singing the national anthem at a sports event that is the rocket's red glare where you go way up yeah and uh that banner yet wave where you can also do the same mm-hmm. and a few bold uh, spectators and part- volleyball players went high on both of those. Yeah. Uh, and there was some giggling yeah. accompanying that. Um, but I, I applauded that effort. I went low. I went low and they went high. I stayed the same. Yeah. I, I, I did my church singing, which was barely audible. Yeah. And a kind of a berry white, I go I go real low. It was, um, <laughs> but it was appropriate. I, I thought, I mean, it, there was a mixture of some people who could sing and lots and lots who couldn't, but still the vibe of it was exactly what it should be when participating in the national anthem. So let me ask you this. Okay. Uh, this will be the the least consequential question in a podcast full of inconsequentiality. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Your uh, your national anthem styling, hands behind your clasped behind your back, hand on heart. Uh, what's and and what was it in your playing days? Because um, a lot of in basketball, in particular, it's a lot of uh, kind of uh, uh, disquiet, bobbing, rocking a little bit. Yeah, I used to my hands. I think I had would hold in front of me or behind, 
and I would like shift my weight side Wait, to side. So let me get, let me get this. You either held them in front of you or behind you. You yes. didn't ha- hold them on your head or or no, I didn't wave ha- them I, in I the mean, air. I didn't have my hand on my heart usually. Right. I just clasped my hands and um and like when I was playing, you just have all this nervous energy that you're waiting. You know, you just finished warm-ups, but you're waiting for the game to start. So I would um, shift my weight from side to side. I think I actually still do that when I'm at a sporting event and as a spectator. Um, occasionally, we'll put my hand on my heart. But yeah, there's you, if you look around a gym, there's a, a number there's of There's all kinds of that, stylings. Yeah, adults will. Um, our youngest, we have to remind her, put, you know, if she's holding a device, put your device down, look at the flag, stop fidgeting. <laughs> well, they say now on the PA, remove your hats. Please rise and remove your hats. Do they say that? They do. There's an implicit dummy thrown in there, but uh, they didn't used to say that. They do say Because people just knew to remove their hats, or well, because people, people weren't hats. wearing hats. Well, at a time everybody wore hats, and then for a while nobody wore hats, and then and then I think we're back to everybody wearing worse hats. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? People wore like snap brimmed fedoras. Then they stopped wearing hats. Then they started wearing hats as if they were going to be summoned into the game to pitch. <laughs> right. Do people not bat like back in the day in uh, in baseball? Did spectators not wear baseball hats? Like no, the no, day no. you're they, talking they about, did when not. guys would come they in did their not. fedoras. They were not. There were. It was. Uh, it's funny you should ask, but this question is addressed in my book, The Thirty Four Ton Bat, which I read. I just don't remember. No, no, I, no. I'm not saying for that reason. I'm just. I'm just shoehorning in a plug. Um, it was uncommon to have souvenir hats for sale. And it wasn't until the 70s, really, that you could go into like the sporting news and buy a souvenir Houston Astros hat if you lived in Minnesota, for instance. Oh, really? Yeah. And then in, in uh, replica jerseys, as they call them now, you know, the Twins gave out Rod Carew T-shirt jerseys in 1977 at a famous game where, where uh, Carew raised his batting average above 400 in, in late June and... Um, and the Twins beat the White Sox. And it, anyway, and I was there and spilled Orange Sunkist onto my Rod Carew jersey. But that was a thrill to have like a, a, a T-shirt that looked like a Major League Baseball jersey. It's crazy. So it was only really in the 80s uh, that people started dressing as if they might be summoned to pinch hit on a moment's notice. And dressing like that even when they were nowhere near a baseball stadium. Well, yeah, that, that became even weirder where on Sundays now people are in their mesh Steelers or Raiders jersey um, as if they might be summoned from Connecticut to Oakland to right. play in a football game. Well, that's interesting because that's a relatively recent thing. I mean, even the 1970s were relatively recent in the in terms of the history well, of I mean, Major I got, League Baseball. I got a Minnesota North Stars jersey when, for my seventh birthday, and um, – and, you know, you could buy a Vikings jersey. But then, um, uh, of course, the Sears catalog had those great NFL pajamas, NFL bread spreads. They had, like, the NFL licensing thing, and they put it on everything. But uh, there weren't lids stores when you and I were kids. There were not lid stores. Get the hat no, of no. any major league team. No, because, because at, colors. at the time, it was actually frowned upon to wear a hat, like, while you're sitting eating in a restaurant, for instance. Right. Now I think it's it's compulsory. Right. I may have said this before. Forgive me if I have. But my my sole uh, ambition in retirement is to have a collection of hats in the rear windshield of my sedan facing on facing the traffic behind me. 
Um, I don't think we've talked about that. I think we've talked about exactly where you want your funeral, what we, you want my, to happen. We've talked a lot about ashes, my, my, my post-retirement ambition of, of, of being deceased. Right. And, um, but no, I, I wasn't aware that. That actually makes me think, though, the other day, I don't know why it came up, but I was driving our younger three to school, and I said something about that sedan as a car was driving by, and our youngest said, what's a sedan? And so I had to then explain to her, you know, there's SUVs, there's minivans, there's sports cars, there's this, there's that, and then there's sedans. And then, of course, it took us a while before a sedan drove by because everything is a pickup truck around here or an SUV or a minivan. But um, anyway, now I'll also be did, able did, to did, throw did, in your father in his retirement would like to have a bunch of hats in the back of um, of his sedan. How many hats do I want? Fit I want, a, I want one of those Band-Aid color, <laughs> one of those Band-Aid colored Buicks. Uh-huh. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Your mom I don't drove, think they make those anymore. They, your mom drove one. They must have driven them. Hers was band colored. It was kind of band-aid colored. It was sort of the same color, color. The same color as as um, the sort of medical uh, bandages and stuff they sell at like CVS. You know, sometimes which is sometimes, also the same color as band-aids. My mother right. didn't drive a band-aid colored sedan. She but, did drove. She, she drove a Buick. She didn't. But it wasn't band-aid colored. And besides. Like, you can't pick on my mother. I'm not my picking mother, on your mother. My mother died eight I'm, years I'm, ago. I'm paying you tribute to your mother. You can't pick on her car. You're not paying tribute to her. I am paying her. tribute to her. No, you're not. How dare you suggest no, otherwise? You're because you're saying, you're saying with this look on your face that you want a <laughs> Band-Aid colored Buick like the one my mother drove. Not, uh, there's no <laughs> reference there. It's not allowed. If if I, if I were if if I were being disrespectful, I would say I didn't want to drive one of those. <laughs> and I do. Oh, but somehow she still liked you. But you've seen you've seen those cars with like a collection of hats in the back window. Yeah, it's usually not really a sedan. Like as you're describing it, though, it's more of like a a, a shorter, coupe? boxier car. Is it it's a coupe? Driven by a younger person. Yeah, I think uh, yes. I no, 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 it no. It, it is not driven by a younger person. If it has baseball hats in it, yes. No, no, no. I don't think so. You've seen retired people driving didn't, didn't. coupes with baseball <laughs> hats in the back. I think I am. Where where are you driving? I don't know, but I think. And are uh, they look, band-aid look, colored coupes? Either I'm right or I'm wrong, and if I'm wrong, or if I'm right, we will probably hear about it from people. Well, either way, I hope you that, have not seen. We, how about this? You have not seen. You have not been behind a car driving <laughs> considerably below the speed limit, a band-aid colored sedan. With a collection of hats in the back window. Not in the last eight years. Okay, well. Not since my mother passed away. <laughs> mother didn't have a collection of hats in the car. Nobody has a collection of hats in the car Absolutely anymore. Absolutely, they do. No, they don't. And But now I know when, when you retire, whenever that is, what my retirement gift is going to be for you. It's the hats or the sedan? hats to put in. The, it's going to be a full tank of gas. The color of an ace bandage? Yes, yes. Or or to, to, to be a little bit more specific, since you were... The, those bandages they have at CVS. Well, sometimes, you know, you're walking up like Columbus Avenue in New York and there's a pharmacy with old school pharmacy, not a Dwayne Reed that's on every other corner, but like, you know, one of the last old school neighborhood pharmacies and they'll have sort of, a, um, you know, walking sticks and bandages and, and unguents and things in the window. And Do you know what I'm talking about? the last time you, A, walked down Columbus Avenue and B... When you did saw unguents in the window, <laughs> just I, curious. I, it, it was fairly recently because I went into the pharmacy and said, "How much is that unguent in the window?" <laughs> For those of you who aren't uh, don't have the uh, displeasure of being in our basement right now, I, I paused while I coughed. Rebecca yawned and said, 
Do you want to go into viewer mail I've now? I've been asking you for, so, so people know, I've been asking you for the last 15 minutes if we should go into viewer mail. <laughs> I should say, we, we don't know what's in the viewer mail. So let's... It could be even worse than this. It's, um, it's like... It's like the curiosity shop used to be. We don't know what's inside, but let's peek in and, and explore. Before before Denny became profoundly incurious? Yes, exactly. Well, let's open it up and see what's inside, shall we? We shall. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer Well, this is promising. This is from uh, this is from Chris, and the header is 9 a.m. nachos. So Ooh. let's see what this is about. Okay, Chris has met us both, uh, both of us twice before and claims to have recognized me before you at the Mohegan Sun once. So kudos to Chris, and thank you for that. Uh, alas, I've strayed from my original intent of this email per the subject line. I am writing regarding your son eating pancakes and New England clam chowder for breakfast on Columbus slash indigenous people slash Canadian Thanksgiving Day. I actually pulled over to write this and began laughing as Steve discussed his Salt Lake Olympics combo of nachos and hot cocoa. One of my roles as a teacher includes helping organize our school's senior picnic each year to a venue in central Connecticut called Holiday Hill. Are you familiar with this venue, Beck? I've never heard of Holiday Hill. Each year, as students empty the bus, they are... uh, created by a stranger combination. The venue has has out, ready to greet the students as they exit the buses, vast amounts of fresh donuts, a nacho bar, complete with oozing, viscous, orange cheese with a Z, and copious amounts of New England clam chowder. (laughs) That's just... Ooh, that's disgusting. There is also hot cocoa. This is a strange combination that my colleagues and I lovingly call 9 a.m. nachos, and we enjoy it thoroughly. It's a great way to begin our annual outing to Holiday Hill. So to recap, donuts... A nacho bar, New England clam chowder, and hot cocoa. Um, I think I think I would go straight called? for the Holiday Hill. I'm guessing Holiday Hill is not an amusement park because that would be some messy, messy stuff if you rode rides after eating a combination of any of those things. Well, I, I think if I had to pick uh, a, a two thing combo here, it would probably be uh, hot chocolate and New England clam chowder. <laughs> the only the only possible combination that wouldn't make you sick, of course, is the hot chocolate and donuts. Uh, P.S. If possible, writes Chris in Cheshire, could you please give a shout out to my mother-in-law, Barb, who will definitely hear this if read on the podcast. So, Barb? Barb, here's your shout out. This is a simple uh, request um, from June, and I'm happy to fulfill it. Uh, um, she's getting June the person or June the month? June the month. No, June. June the person in Georgia. And June writes, uh, just wanted to drop you guys a note and let you know how much I enjoy your podcast. You guys make me laugh pretty much regardless of subject matter. This week may test her patience. Keep up the great work. P.S. Getting ready to start Knights in White Castle. Go Huskies. And then this is what I, what I wanted to get to. If you have, if you have swap, <laughs> please send something my way. You think she meant swag? I think she meant, uh, which reminds me, I have to send swag, a.k.a. slag, a.k.a. swap, to Sam Farmer's mother as well. So, um, And, you know, we can't just assume anymore because when a couple weeks ago when somebody wrote about the Triconderoga pencil, and I think I'm the one who corrected and said, oh, it must have been a typo. They meant Triconderoga. Well, no, they meant try. So maybe she means swap. Maybe she wants you to send her some swap. Uh, it's entirely possible. Um, this is from... Uh, Chris in Florida in St. Petersburg. 
Hello, St. Pete. Don't remember St. Pete used to be our, our it used to be key our demo? number one city. Maybe it's, it still is. I don't know. No, it's not. It's not even in the top five. It may still be in the top ten, but I remember early on we were curious as to why um, St. Pete was such a hotbed for the podcast. It's uh, cooled off a little. Or maybe other cities have just heated up. Um, Chris uh, has been traveling and fell behind listening to the podcast, but in a recent episode, Rebecca suggested we may need some criteria to help selecting future resident listeners of the pod. And this is this is headlined, too many residents. Mm-hmm. Too many residents spoil the swap. <laughs> right. uh, there was also Drain some conversation. Yeah, there was some conversation about nepotism. I'd like to offer my services, writes Chris, to help with both situations. I've spent my entire career working in human resources and specifically working with companies to design assessment tools for recruiting and succession planning to select the right person for a job. Recently, I was also involved in implementing a nepotism policy for my company. A pro-nepotism, I hope. So I think I am very qualified to help put some structure in the selection process of podcast residents. Please consider me as your resident chief human resources officer. Well, this puts us in a dilemma. How do we vet his, his qualifications as a resident chief human resources officer without somebody like Chris to vet those qualifications for us. Right. I think we just have to take it on faith and hire him as our resident human human, human resources, resources officer. He's got person. the job. Yes. And he also wanted to add uh, about board games. His wife loves to tell this story. When she was a little girl, she had a friend over to the house on Christmas Eve. Her parents were content that they bought all of the right presents and then as my wife's friend was leaving the house to go home, her parents heard her say to the friend that she really hoped she gets Simon for Christmas. Well, you can imagine the shocked feeling her parents felt since she had never mentioned that she wanted Simon. This is Christmas Eve, mind you. Uh, this all happened pre-Amazon Prime, so off to the local store went her dad, maybe one similar to Necker's Toy Store, writes Chris, on Christmas Eve to try and find the game. Every time my wife tells a story, usually at Christmas with a family, we laugh. We've uh, we've been in that situation ourselves. And how nice is it that Necker's Toy Store is getting a shout out in St. Petersburg, Florida? Perfect. Didn't you go in Necker's recently? And I went in Necker's, and the woman who runs the store um, said to me that one of her customers customers came in and said to her, "Do you listen to podcasts?" And the woman who runs the store said, "Well, I've heard of podcasts." And um, and her friend then went and played the portion of our podcast where she talked, where we talked about Neckers. And uh, so she was appreciative of that. Uh, Harold of Tom, Dick, and Harry writes... Wait, I want to go back to oh, our I'm sorry. Uh, HR person. Oh, yeah. Um, HR puff and stuff. Yes. It's just gotten me thinking that, you know, one of the big misses for you and me in this podcast is that we have, as we've gone on, we've not written down the names of not- our... Um, we don't have a staff directory. Yeah, we don't have a staff directory. And uh, and so if anyone wants or is going to be listening to old podcasts of ours and um, and they hear us name a resident this or a resident that and they want to start compiling a list, um, we could send them a really special item of swap uh, in return for that. Well, we, we say that. Well, you, since you mentioned that, and I'm not I'm not assigning anybody anything but we do have a, a viewer mail here from uh from our staff stenographer and certified court reporter deborah in in new jersey who apparently spoiled her birthday surprise in a previous podcast yes yeah, she did don't be too hard on steve she says i was already surprised just by hearing about my gift on the podcast and since i'm turning 60 i will no doubt forget about it by december so i'll be surprised again Thanks in advance to both of you for being part of my big day your staff stenographer and she encloses a photograph of what looks like Stenographer, court reporting, uh, 
code to me. Perfect. But since she is so quick on the keyboard, uh, perhaps when she hears of staff positions, she could take does them she, down and, and... Does she have a translation for it? She, Not that I know of. I, I. All right, Barb, you need to send a translation for it, and then we can post the picture along with what it means on our um, Instagram, which is at Ball and Chain Podcast. Uh, Harold of Tom, Dick, and Harry saw, it was, says it was nice to see you at your book signing in Minneapolis way back in August. Uh, he noticed that uh, my brother Tom was standing near the podium listening with... Uh, with a tall woman who I presumed was Rebecca. I thought to myself, Rebecca sure is slender. As I noticed the tall woman giggling with Tom's teenage daughter, I realized it was not Rebecca, but your own 14-year-old daughter. LOL. Yay. <laughs> so he thought our 14-year-old was me and that I was yes. very, very but, slender. But, but, slender as a 14-year-old. But but more more absurdly, he thought you were at my book signing. <laughs> hey. Uh, uh, and and to plug their next gig, Tom Dick and Harry, our annual Christmas show, writes uh, Harry is Friday, December twentieth, at the Driftwood Char Bar in Southwest Minneapolis. That's the Driftwood Char Bar in Southwest Minneapolis, December twentieth. Uh, and and he Harry writes gives a shout out to uh, Jamie Verbrugge, our resident PA announcer, who started to learn his trade shouting out, who learned his trade shouting out H E I G H T S Go Heights. While he and Harry attended Columbia Heights High School in the Twin Cities, H-E-I-G-H-T-S. I did not know that. H e i g h t s. That's H e i g h t s. And Heights was a good breeding ground for PA announcers, as I, as I enjoyed being the Washburn High School girls volleyball PA announcer for three recent years. Nice. So there you go. Um, oh, by the way, uh, the Minnesota Gopher football team is seven and zero. Hopefully, eight and zero. When you read this, they play Penn State this Saturday. Big game for the Gophers. And uh, and the we know our resident PA announcer will be there, bringing bringing it home. Is this the first time the Gophers have been good in a while at football? Uh, it's been first time since they they ranked thirteenth in the nation. Yes, but I mean, yes, are they been, traditionally not a very strong. Yes, yes, they're traditionally program. not a very strong. All right, we'll go Gophers. Hi, Receiver writes Ralph. Um, while not included in Podcast 98, I found Marquette's description of McCormick Hall as beer can brutalism amusing. In fact, it wasn't Marquette's description. It was my description, and Marquette was nice enough to excerpt Knights in White Castle on their social media and my freshman dorm, the cylindrical McCormick Hall, which has just been torn down, I described as uh, in the style of beer can brutalism, the architectural style, because it was cylindrical. Well, writes Ralph, the university... The University of Pittsburgh. Do you see what he did there? I see what he did there. The University of Pittsburgh built three circular dorms in the the early 1960s, referred to originally as Towers A, B, and C. Students at the time quickly dubbed them Ajax, Babo, and Comet because of circular cleanser cans. And he provides a link. Uh, Such cleansers would likely be too harsh a solution for Rebecca's fishy hands. I'm familiar with Ajax and Comet, but I did not know B-A-B hyphen O was a name brand cleaner. I may be mispronouncing it. Maybe it's Babo? I don't know. You don't know Babo Sweeney. Let's see. Um, Michael, oh, our our Santo Domingo correspondent, writes, Greetings from Santo Domingo. I hope this finds you well. Yesterday I spent an inordinate amount of time watching sports. Toggling between the Auburn-LSU game and Penn State-Michigan State game, I then watched a bit of the World Series. My day was made up of Auburn quarterback Bo Nix, the Nittany Lions, and the Washington Nationals. So for those keeping score at home, that would be Nix. N-I-X, Nicks, Nits, and Nats. Rebecca's nodding in silent either appreciation or horror. No, this this is the type of thing that I think you appreciate more than I do. That's, uh, that's um, boy, that's letting somebody down <laughs> gently. It very, has very much of an old school variety 
the trade publication Hicks, Nicks, Sticks, Picks, you know, when, mm-hmm. when people in rural America rejected films aimed at them. Uh, this is not my words. These are Variety's words a million years ago. Hicks, H-I-X, Nicks, N-I-X, Sticks, S-T-I-X, Picks. Do you follow? I do. You just don't care. Well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Joan in Connecticut writes, I was shopping up in the quiet corner of CT today and found this wooden Chinese checkers board for sale at Jeremiah's Antiques in Putnam. And she encloses a picture of of a wooden. I had a metal one. I had a metal one. It sounded like it sounded like a rain on a tin roof when you when you drop the marbles. Yeah. Also, I'd like to add my two cents on the egg placement, writes Jan. Uh, Joan, excuse me. I agree with Steve 100% on keeping it balanced by taking eggs out from each side of the carton, left and right, working in to keep it balanced. And if my husband does it differently, I correct it. Did, have you noticed anything, by the way? I have noticed. You have changed your ways. I have. It's the only thing that I've ever influenced you about. It's and one you of now, few. you now keep a balanced egg carton rather than just taking them out from front to back. Yeah, because after... Uh, seeing your your way and, and handling the carton with the eggs on your way, I realized it was a better way. And so if it's better, I will change. This next viewer mail is just unbelievable. It's uh, from George, my, my croaky and monocle dealer in Columbus. And George writes, Steve and Rebecca, our office has held an employee pumpkin carving contest for the past 12 years. The pumpkins are displayed in the waiting room and patients are asked to vote for the winner. This year, as a warm-up for the contest, I decided to see how your logo would look on a pumpkin. Here's how it turned out. And happy Halloween, writes George. And here it is, a pumpkin with uh, the ball and chain logo on it. This is it's just spectacular. magnificent. Spectacular. I cannot, I'm going to post this on our ball and chain Instagram account. I'll probably post it on Twitter Twitter as well. But uh, it, it, I mean, well done, well done. It's so great. It, it is. It's, it's phenomenal. And, and the only thing that could be better is if a sullen 12-year-old smashes this pumpkin in somebody's driveway on Halloween. Right. Um, I actually today went pumpkin shopping. I bought two pumpkins that were billed as face pumpkins because they are the shape of a human head and uh, presumably are better to carve into whatever you want them to carve carved into. But I had, it's the first time I've ever seen something sold and billed as a face pumpkin. Well, this is a, this is a beautiful uh, kind of circle of life thing because you found... A pumpkin shaped like a human head. Yes. And I have a human head. <laughs> you can finish. Shaped like a pumpkin. <laughs> you certainly do. Actually, those pumpkins are about the same size and probably weight as your noggin. We should um, we should make one of them look like you, glasses and all. That'd be a great jack-o'-lantern. That would be a Steve-o'-lantern. Greetings, Rebecca and Steve, writes Denise. Alas, in the last-minute frenzy of packing for a birding tour of South Africa. This is our resident birder, Denise. I think she'll listen to some Toto while she's there. I believe she is there. I neglected to include my ball and chain magnet. I know. What was I thinking? My apologies. I hope that the MacGyver-like substitute attachment will still be accepted for the BNC International Travel Gallery. The cell, fo- the cell service and Wi-Fi here is sporadic and erratic in places, but happily I was able to download the latest episode and enjoy listening to it on one of our longer travel days. My fellow passengers were a little bemused by my poorly stifled snorts, guffaws, and chortles. By the way, three different birds she has seen in South Africa, snorts, guffaws, and chortles. <laughs> Thanks for all the smiles and laughs. Your resident birder, Denise in KwaZulu-Natal, and then she encloses a picture, and this is beautiful. Mission Rocks Beach. She has the um, the uh, 
GPS coordinates on the sign, and she's holding up her camera with the Ball and Chain logo on it. So well, that counts. Well, yes, we definitely Absolutely. need to, uh, to post that one And as well. uh, I, I hope she has snapped a lot of uh, snorts, chortles, and guffaws on that camera as well. Uh, that's phenomenal. Thank you, Denise. Okay, this one comes in from Jackie. Hey, Restiva, she writes, number one. This is a numbered, just a list. Okay, dispensing with the uh, with the niceties. I like it. Hey, Restiva, one. Uno is a whippet. Does this mean anything to you, Rebecca? No. Uno, the right. dog, is a whippet. You asked what kind oh, of dog Uno was? I thought you meant Uno the card game was, and I didn't know what a whippet was. Okay, so you Uno I was, is a whippet. You thought I was singing... Uh, whippet. Whippet, whip it good. But, or... or Gonna see you whip it, surely treat you nice, give me just a little, both of his Oh, yeah, I know So let it, let it whip, yes. Okay, so Uno okay. is a whip it. Uno is a whip it, which is just a great phrase. It is. Uno is a whip it, which is like a smaller version of a greyhound. My parents will be here mid-November with their three dogs. I've requested they bring down my other three Liberty jerseys, so fingers crossed. Oh, because Uno was That's who pictured the picture of. In your Liberty jersey, exactly. Yes. Uh until then, here's Uno, the shark bait, being intimidated by a baby shark born in Charlottesville, so sadly not Dr. Siegel's territory, attached. Two, to piggyback on the dogs will eat anything, just ask a vet. Uh, my mom is a retired vet. A married couple once came in with a sick dog. My mom did surgery to remove the obstruction, which ended up being a bra. The wife informed her them it was not her bra. <laughs> they are married no more. <laughs> Does she say they're married no more? She says that... they are married no more. <laughs> Do you suppose he fed the bra to the whippet? <laughs> oh, that's so great. I have no idea. I just like that story. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> by the way, here is a, a photo of Uno. Here's baby shark in, a, here's a toddler in a baby shark onesie, which is adorable, and a whippet. In a in a uh, in a Panama hat and a Hawaiian shirt, so we'll have to post this. This is fantastic. Uh, my mom three. My mom also would work some weekends at an animal shelter, mostly doing spays and neuters. Suix came in one day to adopt a cat. Knowing I was a fan, my mom asked for an autograph for me. Instead of opting for what might seem like a good choice, like a blank piece of paper or something generic, my mom took her wallet out and presented what everyone hopes to say one to one. But everyone hopes to one say proudly display an awkward school photo. I'm not sure if Sue has signed many children's school pictures in their overweight, terrible, banged, and braces wearing glory, but thank you for mine. <laughs> I love it. That's it would only be better if it was a stranger's awkward school yeah, photo. Yeah, well, you have to post this picture. It's fantastic. And uh, the, Is that uh, the, po- the photo of the, the awkward school photo? No, no, no. The oh, photo no, is, is, is Uno a... the Whippet. Who in modeled your liberty in a in a Hawaiian shirt and a Panama hat with a toddler in a in a baby shark onesie? The toddler not delivered by Doctor Siegel, rather born in Charlottesville. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, nope, not a picture of the, not not the same dog who ate the bra. Right. Okay, because he was just mentioned in the previous viewer mail, uh, Doctor Siegel did not deliver that baby in Charlottesville. We asked on a recent podcast how many he has delivered because did, I looked up the obituary for the, the uh, guy who delivered me. What is it, 8,500? Dr. Ralph Ryan. Yeah. 
More than 8,500 yeah. babies, yes. So what does Dr. Siegel say? Dr. Siegel says, Rebecca, I don't have an exact number on how many babies I've delivered, although I do have both annual logbooks and a running spreadsheet of each surgery or delivery that I've performed. Long ago, when using a paper logbook, I tallied each year's totals. I've not done that for over a decade. Due to various factors, the number of babies delivered per obstetrician, which likely varies by location, urban versus suburban versus rural, has changed in the two generations since Steve was born. In the two generations since I was born. It's been at least that, I guess. <laughs> at and, least. And uh, back then, Dr. Ryan, the obstetrician who delivered Steve, may well have delivered 40 or 60 babies a month. Today, 10 to 15 per doctor per month is an approximate figure. Thus, I would guess that I have delivered 3,000 3, to 3,500 babies. It's kind of slipping, the the OBGYNs of this day. Well, what, what, I mean, 3,000 hits guarantees you entry into the Baseball Hall of Fame. I, th- I would think 3,000 babies, is that the same mark you have to hit? To get into the Hall of Fame? Yeah. To get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. No, right. I'm saying to get into the OBGYN Hall of Fame, I think you and I are the perfect people to determine how many deliveries that would be the baseline for that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's that's fair. 3,000, we'd have to find out how many of those, or if any of those are no hitters. Perfect uh, deliveries. And as with baseball, there are probably new metrics and uh, new statistics that... Right. that uh, you know, we would have to know what, what Dr. Siegel's war is. Right. Uh, wins against replacement. Lastly, to tie in palindromes to deliveries, if we we were to substitute Hannah and Bob for my two children's names, I can then report that over the years, whenever I would deliver a new baby named Hannah, Bob, or any name of a friend, relative, or child in our circles, I would tell them so. Thus, for instance, my daughter Hannah, again, not her real name, said neat when she was six years old, but big deal, Dad, when she was 14. Names common to my same-aged family and friends, such as Linda or Lance, were never the names of new babies. However, last week I delivered, for the first and only time in my career, a Louie, which was my father's name. I shared that great highlight of my day with the proud parents. I beg to remain, sir and madam, your most humble and obedient servant, Gary with two R's. (laughs) How great is that? That's perfect. He encloses a page uh, from Dreyer's um, English, the book that he's reading now, prior to Knights in White Castle. Right. Uh, entitled How Not to Write Like a Brit. Uh, Dreyer advises readers in that chapter not to use British words such as lift for an elevator or jumper, the topic of a recent podcast, for a type of woman's dress that Rebecca enjoys wearing. He may be an expert on writing style, but his comment about jumpers leads me to believe that Holly, Rebecca, and many other women likely know more about fashion style than he does. Although I think Dreyer is probably referring to jumpers as sweaters in England as as, uh, they're known over there. And I think that's it for viewer mail, actually. So... That's it for viewer mail? Is that what you're saying? That's, that's it for viewer mail, unless you, you have anything You said it in a kind of dreary way. Well, it's been, it's been a dreary Tuesday, and it's all from uh, due to uh, my, my robotic overlord telling me that I was going to have a dreary day. Oh. I, I haven't had one. No, but I, I hope, it's I hope been a it good hasn't, day so far. I hope it hasn't uh, affected or infected or defected the, the podcast. I, I, I hope it hasn't either, and I hope everyone out there has a delightful day, because no matter what the weather is, you determine if the day is delightful. And uh, on that note, Tom. For, for producer Denny Gallagher. Oh, for producer Denny Gallagher. For you and for me, Tom Dick Hari. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's 
the ball and who's the train It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous while we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane